Hello friends. Today's food for thought is about paradoxes of scripture. This is part one of three parts. I'll start with a definition of the word paradox. That is a statement that apparently contradicts itself, yet can be true. And the Bible is full of these paradoxes. It's the kind of thing where if you see something from a worldly perspective, it doesn't make sense because it has to be seen from a heavenly perspective to understand it. So let's start with the first paradox, which is the paradox of life and death. Life is loss, death is gain, which is in Philippians 1, 19 to 26. Also, Jesus said you must lose your life to save it. That's in Matthew 16, 24 to 26, and Luke 9, 24. So the idea is uh, we live to die. Basically, that's our goal. It's to die and to be with Jesus. We have a purpose to fulfill while we live, but our life on this earth is directed to eternal life in heaven. Yet, at the same time, we fear death. That's the paradox. <clears throat> in the world's eyes, death is a tragedy, and it can be if a person hasn't responded to God's invitation. But if we've loved and served God and our neighbor, we should welcome the day that we're going to meet Jesus face to face. That's the paradox. We love the life God's given to us and the work he entrusted to us. And at the same time, we desire to be with him in heaven and leave this life behind. When we hold on to things of this world at the expense of our soul, we aren't seeing death from the right perspective. We see death as loss rather than as gain. But we're called to die to self. Dying to self means to let go of our preferences and comforts and to live in God's will, whatever that may be. That's called detachment. We detach ourselves from the things of this world. I'm sure you've heard of martyrs. There's been martyrs through the last 2,000 years and before that, people who were murdered for their faith. And if you read some of the writings of the martyrs, they faced death with joy and not fear, even though they would die a painful death. St. Ignatius, who was going to be thrown to the lions, wrote letters to his followers saying, don't stop them. This is what I desire. This is how I'm going to bring glory to God. They had the correct perspective on death. Well, maybe we're not called to a martyrdom in blood. Perhaps we're called to what's called a, a white martyrdom. That's when we willingly accept suffering in this life without actually dying. These kinds of people, they see their sufferings as a way to grow in union with Jesus and willingly accept all of their sufferings. But in both cases, whether it's a red martyrdom or a white martyrdom, the person surrenders everything to God. So as you ponder this paradox of life is lost, death is gain, reflect on how you perceive death. What does it mean to you? Do you believe in your heart that life is lost and death is gain? Our second paradox, weakness is strength. This comes from 2 Corinthians 12.10. Paul asks that a thorn in his side be removed. We don't know what the thorn is. It could be a physical pain, a moral temptation, a difficult personal relationship, or something else. I think it's vague for a reason, so that each of us can see ourselves and our own thorns 
as Paul did. So Paul asked God to remove the thorn, and God says, No, my grace is enough. That weakness made Paul stronger. He learned to rely on God's strength and not his own. When we're weak, we surrender all to God. He's able to work through us. By acknowledging our weakness, we leave room for God to work. Then, when we succeed, we know the glory goes to God because we could not have done it with our own strength. Think about Gideon in the Old Testament. He was going to war, and God said he had too many men. So first, he sent home those who were afraid of battle. That was still too many. Then he got rid of those who drank water a certain way, and he was left with a very small number, and that number won the battle. But they knew it wasn't their own strength, but God's. It took strength to acknowledge that they were not big enough to win, but still enter into the battle. Faith gave them the strength they needed. It said that God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. When we're called to do something out of our comfort zone, God asks us to let go of our fear and not rely on our own abilities. Think of Moses when God called him to save Israel, to bring them out of Egypt. Each time Moses gave an excuse of what he could not do. You know, I I don't speak so good. And God's response was, "I'll, I'll take care of that. And it's like every time that Moses had an excuse, God had an answer. And it's Moses saying, I can't, God. And God replies, I know, but I can. So acknowledging our weakness is a strength. Remember that God has given each of us a purpose in life. You may think you don't have what you need, that you're too weak, but that's a lie of the enemy. God will give you what you need to accomplish his purpose. Another aspect of this paradox is the way we think about forgiveness. It takes strength to forgive. The world thinks it's foolishness, but it is not at all. It is strength that allows you to forgive someone who's done something horrible to you. It doesn't matter if you have strength in the eyes of the world. See weakness and strength in the eyes of the Lord. Pray about how you see weakness and strength and see what God reveals to you in that prayer. Our third paragraph, uh, paradox today is poor is rich. This is in James 2.5, but it's throughout scripture, throughout the teachings of Jesus. The world measures richness by material goods, our money, our stuff, our power. But God measures riches in heavenly terms. Each act of service done with love is a jewel in our heavenly crown. So what do you treasure? Do you envy those with more money, a better house or fancier car, more exciting vacations? What does your heart treasure? Is it God? Many who are wealthy or famous find their lives empty. Look at the number of rich and famous with addiction, suicide, or drug overdoses. It looks like they have everything the world can offer. It's true, they do. But they're still miserable because they have everything the world offers, but not what's most important, which is what God offers for them. They don't understand God's definition of rich. What is that? How does God see richness? Well, Jesus told the rich young man to leave behind all of his material goods and then come follow him. So richness 
comes from following Jesus. God gives great faith to the poor. They're the richest of all. Mother Teresa said that the U.S. is one of the poorest countries because we don't have God. She might have thought that of many developed countries. We become rich in the world and we leave behind God. And then our lives are really filled with poverty. They're empty when we don't have God. The idea isn't that we must be poor in the world to have faith. We can be poor in spirit while rich in material things if our riches are used for God's glory. One who is poor in spirit isn't focused on money. It doesn't matter to them whether they have it or don't. Whatever God wants. So this paradox should get you thinking about how you see money and material goods and how you perceive those who have wealth. Does it matter to you? Do you make a judgment based on someone's financial success? Do they have more credibility? Are you skeptical of what kind of a Christian they are, maybe? What do you assume about them, good or bad? Do you want to impress them more than someone who isn't wealthy? Those are some questions you can ask about how you see the rich and about how you see the poor. They're all questions to ponder about the paradox of the rich and the poor. So that's some food for thought, right? Here's a question to help you apply these ideas to your life. Which of these paradoxes, life and death, weakness and strength, and rich and poor, do you find most difficult to believe and why? Sit with that one paradox for a while. Bring it into your prayer life. Read some scripture about it. Ask God to show you where you're resisting his truth, where you don't have faith, where you don't see things from his perspective, and where he wants you to grow. That's all our food for today. Watch for part two of this series on paradoxes of scripture. Thank you for listening. May God bless you in just the way you need today.